Today's program was brought to you by MailChimp. More than 6 million people use MailChimp to design and send email marketing campaigns. MailChimp's new automation features make it easy to provide timely, relevant information to your customers and prospects. Learn more at MailChimp.com automation. I'm Julia Tertian, host of Radio Cherry Bomb. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to After the Jump live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes anytime. Today, I'm going to cut right to the chase and say that I am so excited to be joined by one of my favorite people in design and the person who is the singular reason I discovered my love of interiors and the DIY movement um, as a whole, designer Genevieve Gorder. Jen, it's so good to have you back. You give the best intros ever. <laughs> my ego is like pulsing right now. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you back again. You have an insane amount going on right now. You have a new show on HGTV documenting the renovation of your apartment. Yes. You have said new apartment. Um, very exciting. And you have a brand new digital magazine called Real Genevieve that launched just a few weeks ago. So my first question is, have you gotten any sleep in the past year? No, I don't think I've had <laughs> sleep since like 1998. Seriously. <laughs> and then you had a kid to that in 2008. No, I don't. Do we sleep though, Grace? I mean, that's not really our breed. Yeah. We're not wired that way. You have a digital magazine too, I should add. <laughs> I think I think there's something about like doers where it's just sleep has becomes like a third, fourth, fifth seventh priority somewhere down the line yeah but you're happy it's like what i'm not doing is when i when i get itchy Mm-hmm. And yes, it does feel overwhelming a lot and it get really overwhelmed communicationally. Like we were just talking about this at lunch. We were just eating pizza and <laughs> Grace and I stuffing our faces and the amount of people that can get at you all day with fragmented conversations about 25 different things. That's where I lose my cool because I like to start something and I love to execute it. And when I can't execute... Um, I start to get a little crabby and everyone around me who knows, you know, who works with me knows that. So I have to manage that carefully Yeah, as a mom, as a girlfriend, as a boss, as a person, Mm -hmm. right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. You've got to execute like 20 different things at the same time. Well, yeah. And like you said, turning off the phone so you could actually do, because otherwise we're just spitting little sentences out all day and not ever doing so Mm -hmm. i have to balance that's the hardest balance i would say i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a lot of questions about balance but i want (laughs) i want to start at the beginning um i'm not gonna do a whole catch up because i feel like anybody who's watched your shows knows your backstory but i want to talk about sort of the genesis of the new show that's on tv right now Mm. which i am obsessed with thank um, you it's re-airing this month on hgtv i've been re-airing it in my living room (laughs) on itunes a lot lately um tell people about how this new show came about and how you decided to buy the apartment next door to your existing apartment and make them one giant home for you and your daughter? Well, I'd been living in one side of this apartment for the last eight, nine years. And the New York dream is always to expand next door or upstairs so you don't have to move because moving in our town, as you know, is is much more difficult than moving through Kansas or Minneapolis. It's just hard. And renovating is just hard. And that's why they wanted to cover the show and to see a more 
honest uh, realization of what design is, which I've always been giving. It's just how is cut and what America wants or what the network wants. And I think the B through Y is way more interesting than the A and the Z. Mm-hmm. You know, Project Runway figured that out. And in what I do and what we do, it's such it's such a bigger task. It's the biggest thing to accomplish on television. It's the hardest genre. And I'm not saying that because I'm in it like pat my back and whoop, whoop. But you got to make a meal. Sure. That's 10 bucks and a run to the grocery store. I got to make an effing house, you know, in seven days. And I feel like the, the tagline of your show should be called also how to watch very heavy things be carried up five flights of stairs. Oh, God, the walk up. <laughs> I mean, we have the mafia. We have the co-op who's worse than the mafia. You have Department of Buildings who's worse than everybody. The landmarks and then a mayoral shift during this time of renovation, which took me a year and a half, could easily be a three-month job anywhere else in the country um, and add, you know, a tiny little staircase up five flights. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just kind of saying the realities of what this is. And I was so happy to finally show design falls down, design breaks. Design is really hard. It's not a glamorous put on makeup and address and reveal a space. Ta-da, it's perfect, Martha Stewart. It's so imperfect, imperfectly beautiful, you know, and I'm, I'm happy to show that on any show that will let me mm-hmm. doing a house, your own house as a documentary for a year and a half in Manhattan. I probably wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I feel like every single episode I would, I was thinking to myself, I cannot believe she put this on television because it is the bravest thing to put not only like a very honest look at what it's like to renovate, where every wall you tear down reveals something else that needs to be fixed that you didn't expect. Right. And the frustration that comes with any sort of renovation, to put that out there, plus it have it's your own home, it's a really difficult thing. The stress involved in something this laborious is, I can't really even explain. I mean, I have a lot more empathy for my clients who I come in and do their house in two, three days in TV land. Um, and the tornado of it, I think, is incredibly stressful to be on the outside of the tornado, being my client, my own client as well. Um was refreshing. I think I learned a lot about how to be a better designer again. We all need to do that in whatever we do for a living every couple years. It's like the filters. You just need to come in. You need to evolve and grow and learn. Otherwise, you're bored and you shouldn't be doing it mm-hmm. anyway. Right? Absolutely. I think one of the things that stood out for me most watching this show were the moments where you not only like really rolled with the, the, the mistakes or the problems that happened, but you made them create a better project than maybe you had even imagined. And I think one of my favorite examples is there was a bit of a wallpaper mishap in your daughter's bedroom and it wasn't the color palette that you had wanted, but you guys worked with it. And I remember you saying on camera that that the end result was something even better than you had thought of designing. What role does sort of rolling with the punches play in your design philosophy? That's a good question. I think there are really two kinds of designers in the world. There's the architect's who come into design where they are more of a science-based approach to what we do. It's methodical. It's sketched out. It's elevated. There are multiple plans, even before sometimes they get to the space. And then there's the other designer, which I definitely fall into this category, is the artist that comes into design, where it's much more about the feeling of things. I won't even start designing until I see where the light hits that certain place on your floor where the couch is going to be. I need to feel it. And I'll sit there all day by myself and feel it before I spit something out. That doesn't always work on television as it's not the most (laughs) efficient way to design. Um, But it genuinely connects the viewer because I design from the heart. And it's not the best way. It's just the different way. Um, So I'll go through 
a lot of scripting um, as I find visuals that I'm designing for people. And when I have an accident, it's like it's almost a blessing because I want to find a road that I didn't see before. It becomes something more beautiful. And I learned that working very young as a 20-something, 22-year-old in design studios where I thought I knew it all. I was a gunslinger coming off of MTV design, winning all these dumb awards no one knows about at 18. I kept in thinking I'm just going to change the world of design. And I had so many salty vets poke holes in my bubble. And it was the most wonderful lesson ever because you got to learn how to patch the bubble. And then by the time you deliver the bubble to the client, there are no ways to poke a hole in it. It's already been done. It's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And that that's something I feel is really important for the youngest generation to coming into design to really adhere and listen to. Um, because this whole demographic sometimes has that problem with entitlement, thinking they got it, they know it. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you let that process to someone to to allow people to see someone so experienced as you go through the same problems every other person is going to face while mm-hmm. redoing their home, whether it's a small room or an entire renovation process, is so liberating and refreshing. Because I think <laughs> people who, if you're watching someone on television who's a professional designer, you think, ah, their plan is just perfect. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. Everything's going to go perfectly. Why does my project suck so much? But to watch you deal with the same issues that everyone else will deal with, with uh, there's an exhaust pipe you didn't know exists behind a wall. All these things you have to pivot and work from to show that like this is not a perfect process. And I think it makes design so real to me. I'm so glad that you got that from this show because I really dislike that about design television. We got to wrap it up in 22 minutes. How do we put a smile and a turn and everyone's happy? Oh my God. But it's really, it is liberating when you see that things don't show up for me when they say they're going to be there. I don't have enough money half the time. I mean, we're human and this is a really imperfect process. It is not a science. Mm -hmm. It is not. There is no right answer. And I love that you showed, and for anyone who hasn't watched the show yet, this is one of my favorite things about this particular show of yours is that you show the budget problems when they pop up and how you dealt with them. And you have a, there was a great episode where you sold things at the Brooklyn Flea to make some extra money. Oh my God, to deal that was so stuff. stressful. And yeah, you're like at one point selling tiles next to a Home Depot. And I think all those little things are things that like normal people do in, in real life, but you don't see that happen on the show to say, okay, we're $4,000 over budget. How do we make up that $4,000? And you literally show how how that's happening. You got to have fun. I mean, I, I've never sold at a flea market before and I'm a terrible saleswoman. I mean, I really, I just see people, I'm like, oh, you really like it. You should, <laughs> you should have it. I, I was giving things away that I could probably have made a lot more money oh, on, yeah. which is why I should never personally be involved with the sale or transaction again or in retail. Cause I'll be like, you look like you need this. Yeah, I watched you say a lot of times like $35, no 25. You're cute. And I was like, girl, you could get $200 for that. What are you I'm doing? The worst business woman, but it did work. I made some nice money on that the mm-hmm. tile though i could have crushed that online i should have waited for that don't sell your tile outside of home depot <laughs> and another element i love is just, i mean this is what always when i think about i think about you and i think about jen gorder i think about diy whether and i don't think i mean that in the sense of like crafty crafterson i think of like there are small solutions to things that anyone could do that are genius and don't cost a lot of money and uh, one of my favorite ones was you decided uh, in your personal bathroom you bought brass fixtures that were brand new and you really wanted to give them a patina but the cost of patina for pretty much everything is like thousands more dollars and you and a friend of yours were like we went to design school we remember how to do this and you pull out salt and you make it have a patina yourself um how much of a role does diy still play in your work today 
I think for me, DIY is a cultural thing. I come from the Midwest, and the Midwest, you better know how to make a garage out of quarter round in two days, or you're kind of excommunicated from the whole part of the country. Um, it isn't about calling someone in to hang your pictures. It's really a self-service culture, and that's where design television, you know, before training spaces, even before Martha was born, um, Home Matters, Good Company, all of the Edelmans really started this out in Minnesota. It was the state that was responsible for a lot of that. Um, so I like to always think before... I react as far as how we can solve a problem because there are so many more beautiful ways that aren't your first. And this is what you do learn in design school. It's not your first answer. It's your fifth. You know, what does everybody not think of? Keep going. You know, my, you know, I want to buy a brass patina fixture. Oh, go to the vintage salvage yard. Okay. I'll pay $200 for the faucet. Or you think, you know what? In the wintertime, the salt eats our cars up. It rusts our cars. This is what gives patina. So it, it was seriously a $2 solution. I did on Rachel Ray yesterday. The whole audience was a gasp. From $24 new brass fixture to an old one in two weeks with some salt paste. That is so important to me, and I feel like that's how you connect to make design digestible. Not so big, not so scary, and the audience isn't paralyzed to do it, and they feel like they deserve it because they know it. That's, I think, my job. I'm not... Just a designer. It's a translator first in mm -hmm. translating this whole language into those really simple memories that we have, that we can make from wherever we grew up as kids um, or, or little dreams we had in junior high. All of these things connect to something we can build and make that taps into their their heart. Mm -hmm. You know? Does that sound sappy? No. I, mean, I think for people who love design, I think this all of this stuff has a connection to your heart and what matters to you. Well, and for us, we're wired this way. It's not hard. So it's my job to make it not hard for everybody. It shouldn't be. You do a good job of that. Oh, thank you. Um, we have to take a quick break, but I want to ask you one more question before we go, because the DIY thing always makes me think about what people feel is worth investing in. And I know that's different for everybody, but for you, are there any go-to areas of a home or materials, for example, that you think are always important to sort of put your money into? Yeah, every room has its special spot, its soft spot. In the kitchen, it's always stone. Stone, you can't mimic, you can't DIY. Nature made that and she's better than any of you. And you can't, you know, anything, engineered stone, whatever. I mean, it's great for certain things, but nobody can mimic her. In the bedroom, it's the sheets. If I'm naked, I need to have a big old hug on my skin and I don't want your polyester blends scratching me up. I will dump my money on those sheets. The bed is the throne of the bedroom. In the bathroom, it's tile. I want pattern just enveloping me in a jewelry box and I will spend the money to do so and I can tell when you didn't. Um, and in the living room, of course, it's very simple, the sofa. If you don't buy a good sofa, you're not having a good lounge. I mean, you have to be comfortable, just like any outfit. Know where to dump the money. It's not all Fendi, Gucci, and, you know, Dolce. You'd look like a fool. You need a little H&M in there. You need a little Zara, mm -hmm. and you need a little vintage. No polyester hugs for Genevieve <laughs> Quarter. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This episode of After the Jump is supported by MailChimp. More than 6 million people use MailChimp to design and send email marketing campaigns. 
MailChimp's new automation features make it easy to provide timely, relevant information to your customers and prospects. Instantly send welcome emails, product recommendations, special offers, and more. Segmentation, personalization, automation, all in one. Learn more at MailChimp.com slash automation. Welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I am thrilled to be joined by designer Genevieve Gorder. Uh, before the break, we were talking about Genevieve's latest television show, documenting the renovation of her apartment and the apartment next door that she just bought and combined into one beautiful home for her and her daughter. Um, before we move on to your latest project, which is your digital magazine, I want to ask sort of the biggest question in my head that I kept feeling watching your show, which was about the evolution of your personal style. And mm. um, I got to see, the, I guess, the previous version of that home when we photographed your house for the Design Sponge book. And when we got to visit the new one, I was so taken back by how much the house had grown up. And not that it wasn't grown up before, but I felt like this is a this is a woman's house. Right? It felt such, so grown <laughs> up. And there were so many like sophisticated neutrals and like your tiles had changed and all these things. It just felt like what a wonderful evolution. So how did you feel Thank that you. evolution happening? Is that something that you sort of see happening personally or does it just kind of happen on its own? You know, I don't think until I really dug into my own house did I really see it so tangibly and so literally. I think you see it in small bits when you're doing it for other people because it's so much of their own style first and your little sprinkles on top of it. But once I dug into my own house, which I wasn't planning on doing the whole thing, I thought I'd keep the one side I'd been living in and just connect it to the other side, you know, fantasies, fantasies. But once I got in there, you know, and this is after many different chapters of life, you know, I had a divorce. I've had a child. I have, you know, I have a whole new career now, same medium, but different career. And I have a different thing to say. And it was just just so dumb, so damn fun too, that you can't resist it. I feel like your twenties are all about collecting. You're hoarding Mm -hmm. things because you come, you're coming out of it fresh with nothing right? We're, we're digging in the trash. What can I re-salvage from the corner? You know, and we still have that in us, yeah. but um, it's all collected things from different eras of your life and from the street. The thirties is about refining more expensive things come in and, and help with the impoverished furnishings we had in our twenties. And then as you get to the end of your thirties, it's really about letting go of a lot of things. Cause you just don't need so much. You really know who you are what you need and what you don't need and how to live a little bit more efficiently but elegance steps into the into the arena which you can't buy and you can't manufacture you earn it and i think by this age now late 30s i just crossed into 40 i just have such a better understanding of how little i need but then how special it needs to be mm-hmm. you know and, and not scared of pattern we can layer pattern like nobody's business. When you're in your 20s, it's all it's very blocky. It's very Modrion. <laughs> it's very graphic. And now it's a little bit of everything. And I, I feel much stronger and more powerful in design now. I've, mm-hmm. I have something more to say. There was, such, there was such a confidence in the choices you made, especially, I think, with tiles and pattern in your mm-hmm. house. Um, and, and Jen's full house is online if you want to see it, um, if you haven't seen the show yet. And 
it's it's so incredible the way you chose to pair things that I, I would put down and think like, ah, I'm going to clash everything. It's going to look terrible. And it makes so much sense. And I feel like that comes from a place of really understanding what your personal style is. And there's a great moment on the show, I think in like the fifth episode, where you're talking about how much you love building your home office because it was so great to see your personal style mm. sort of in one space. We have so much stuff as designers. We are like professional hoarders. So, you know, and our stuff is so pretty. That's what I just, that's my argument. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk about the storage spaces that you have. We'll we'll save that for another episode. I know, it's spilling over. But I think pattern as a a baby designer was my Achilles heel. I came into this from the graphic world, which uh, was uh, the less is more. And so when it came to textiles and pattern, I was a little trepidatious about um, how much I could use. And as I did interiors more and more, it became my favorite thing. And I think it may be the hardest element of design. As I've seen on all the shows I've judged, professionals struggle with it every day. They can't do it. But it is, I think in the end, coming from graphic design, it is the superpower that I didn't know we had. That's all. We think everything in pattern. I design rugs. It's all pattern. And now being confident enough to be like, yeah, I can do five patterns on top and it's going to work. Watch. And that happened in my house. So I'm glad that you saw that. You got scared. Where did you get scared that you thought, oh my God, I couldn't have done that. I was very impressed with your upstairs bathroom because I am terrified of neutrals. Like I I Mm -hmm. feel like if I choose neutrals and put them together, it will look like a weird kit house that has no (laughs) like soul to it. And you chose some really beautiful neutrals that all together had so much texture and like there's a story happening in that room that I'm just, if I pick anything that's like tan, I know it's going to be a nightmare. Tan's a scary color. No (laughs) one's favorite color is tan. But it's like, yeah, how do you tell the textural story? So you saw that. Yeah. It's, it's using tan boldly. Mm-hmm. And then in that in that room, you had a great DIY project where you were wrapping that rope around the um, the faucets that come out of the wall and all that little stuff that is, again, kind of a neutral color, but very simple and inexpensive, but adds such great texture and like a moment in a room. There's always, always a moment in your design. There's these little tiny things where there's a handle that's shaped like a hummingbird or there's a door that came from Morocco. Mm-hmm. And all these moments are things that really make that house feel like you. And that's not something that would mm-hmm. feel authentic in somebody else's house. And that's why I love watching your design work so much. Thank you. I think those are those pauses and being in music from a really young age, I think I tend to be on pattern, see everything musically. So it's how a song unfolds is how a room unfolds. And those pauses, those breaks are sometimes louder than the Allegro's where you have all the stuff, you know, piled up and there's a monument of, of a vignette. The, the tiny little breaks where you see the hummingbird and the rope wrapped around the scushion of the faucet, which reminds you of being in a restaurant and there's a hot water pipe wrapped in a rope. It's like I pick up all these things that are so ordinary. And how do we make them extraordinary by using them in those pauses? And it makes people happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the goal out of that's the main goal of design. You just want to make people happy, whether it's in your house or someone else's. You want them to notice that pause and feel something or think something. You did. So that makes me happy. Because <laughs> you've seen a lot. <laughs> I have seen a lot. Yeah. I think I think it's so wonderful that that's your goal is happiness. I feel like a lot of times with design, especially design that's on TV or design that's kind of has a higher price point to it, is so much about impressing people. Ego. And I think that's a it's a bad road to go down for design. So I'm glad you've got happiness as your as your aim. Uh, yeah, it's soul. 
you know, and that's the, what speaks loudest to people. It makes them the most happy. I feel like design, you know, there's all sorts of personalities in design, but so often, especially in the high, high end, um, it's about making your mark. It's almost like you're graffitiing on somebody's house. And for me, that's just not how I approach it. I, I want to make a tangible form of yourself that you can't do. But it's first admitting that you can't do it. And then inviting someone in and letting them do it. <laughs> exactly. There, it's hiring the person who can do it. So yeah. I don't want to run, uh, run out of time before we talk about The Real Genevieve. So yeah. let's talk about your new digital magazine. When you had all this spare time in your life, and decided to start a magazine. Um, how did this come about? I mean, look, you have one too. So it, it was such... From from your world coming, you're already digital. I and most people have a website before they even have a job. Most people have YouTube videos when they're 12. I've been doing television now, you know, my whole adult life, and I haven't had a website. So, the, as you know, the, coming from the art side of design, this is going to be a struggle for me every time. And I have Melissa here sitting with me, who worked. Uh, long hours on this every single day for free um, can vouch that I'm a terrible organizer. I'm a great director. I'm a terrible organizer. Spreadsheets, count me out. But I needed to get all of this content. I have so much content from all of these amazing things I've been able or been honored to do. Um, I need a place, a vehicle to get them out. And I feel like TV, you can say only so much. When it comes to word and visual, that's where I can really just say anything I want. And I am a real designer. And when you turn off the TV, I still have something to say. And if there's somebody willing to read it or to want to know a little bit more or has a little bit more design nerd in them, I can rub that Mm -hmm. and make them really, really happy. And even if they don't like it, I still have this vehicle and it makes us really happy doing it. Mm -hmm. I guess we get to that word again, right? Yeah. (laughs) I think that, I mean, reading that, the the first, I guess, issue that came out um, that you can get on your phone too, um, the, the app is there. Um, that I, what struck me about it so much was I've, I never really thought about this, but I watching your shows and then reading that magazine, I was thinking like, you're a very good teacher mm-hmm. and that's not something that I know you do like as your full-time job, but I think the way that you break things down for people to educate about why this room works, why this chair works with this paper is something that not everybody can do very simply. And I think that this app slash magazine is such a nice way for you to do that on a more regular basis because the show is like you work forever, but then you wait and that's coming out and it's like. 10 episodes, but this is something you can do every day. Are it's, you overwhelmed at all by the Yes, I'm totally overwhelmed, but I'm so excited. I think it's a way to evolve and to get young designers working with you really fluidly, as you know. Um, there's so many different kinds of conversations to be had, and this is that place where we can do that. Who's doing something that I didn't know about that I can learn from and show you? Where's a spot in whatever city that you've never been to that you should? What food is presented in a beautiful way that you never knew about and should try. It's all part of this sensual lifestyle that as designers we lead. It's not just home. It's everything about home. It is music. It is food. It is every sense we have. So to be able to cover lifestyle and have more voices is more entertaining for me. Um, we never want to get bored with what we do. So we have to keep exercising. Um, and it's a way to connect to so many incredible people that you've met along the way and gives you reason to have another conversation. I have to say the biggest surprise has just been so overwhelming the amount of people who have said, I'll do it. I totally want to do this. And then having the party and everyone comes and brings like 19 friends. Grace was at this house party that was supposed to be like 20 people. And I think it ended up like 100 that night till three. It was great because people are excited about it and they want to see your house yeah, if you're a designer. Yeah, they want to see the house. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's it's stimulating. So I do it as much for everybody as I do for myself. Um, and it pushes me to be better at the left brain stuff that I really struggle with and always will. But teaching, as you said, is something that my whole family does. So I come by it, honestly, where none of us are teachers. We're teachers of cert- of things. Um, whether my mom's in integrative medicine, she's always teaching students. Um, my grandfather teaches music and dance. My brothers um, are both teach engineering and autistic children. I mean, we, are, we all are teachers. I never really thought about that. Um, but we come by it just kind of naturally and almost accidentally. Mm-hmm. So what's coming next for Real Genevieve? What are you guys working on right now well i just finished a big special oh for real genevieve now we're doing our holiday issue that's always um, my favorite which is like uh, we're so late like this should be done now but we're going to be done at the end of this not month. for digital girl welcome well, I to know. working online i know i'm kind of like just <laughs> there's no like this. six month lead time for this stuff. <laughs> isn't that a wonderful thing so we're we're doing a huge scandinavian issue and we're working with sweet paul and as you know i'm like half half Norgy. So we're going to dive into roots and what is this design aesthetic and really celebrating some big time winter cities and having that conversation. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm really excited for this one. You're going to have a blast working with Paul too. Is he not any, just the most adorable Any thing? man who has a glue gun tattooed on his forearm is a friend of mine. He is family. <laughs> and a, a Viking ship on his <laughs> chest, might I add. If you're not reading Sweet Paul magazine, you definitely mm-hmm. should be. That's a good one. So we're just about out of time, but I want to ask you a couple rapid fire questions before we go. Oh, fun. So I like this. Okay. Get ready. What's the first website you load every morning? First website I load. Every, oh my God. This is really, um, uh, what? Do, oh, oh, sorry. Yahoo. <laughs> totally fine. That's so outdated. Oh, I've, I've heard way worse. <laughs> no who, porn. Who is, <laughs> who is someone you look up to when time is tough? My grandfather. My grandfather's my first call, always. Where would you like to travel next? Bhutan, Brazil, Vietnam on top of the list. That's great. Uh, What's a brand that you can't get enough of that you go back to over and over again? For home, for food, for music, what? Anything you want. Um, Over and over again, I go to um, Finn Style. It's a store I go to over. I always go Scandinavian when in doubt. Are they in Minneapolis? Yeah. Yeah. You know them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always, when in doubt, I go Scandinavian. And I didn't know this about me until very recently. It's an aesthetic that was drilled into my head. I'm answering too fast. Too much. Go. Okay, sorry. Rapid fire. (laughs) Final question. Who or what is a trend, a style, a designer, or a brand that you hope makes it big this year that you're really behind? That's not your own. Ooh. A designer, a style... Melissa, we have so many people that we're like focusing on. Tell me, <laughs> what do we really love? Wait, Grace, this is hard. <laughs> See, this is the problem with designers is like we know too many things. So asking us to decide let's on a tile one, for a bathroom. Let's pick one field. Pick a maker. So somebody who makes some furniture, mm. fabric, anything like that. Mm. Anyone from your home project? Um. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Melissa. Juju. I'm obsessed with wallpaper and Avery Juju paper. Awesome. She's awesome. And I have beef with Portland, as you know. We've had this conversation before. So I'm always like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to look at that. Juju is from Portland and makes these incredible wallpapers, which I littered in my home. I mean, seriously, any wall I could, I had her patterns. And that what we talked about earlier, I think she really embraces pause, negative space. And she does it so effortlessly. And so I find her patterns like absolutely, I'm obsessed. 
That's a good one. Thanks, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, where can everybody find you online now? Um, I actually have a website. Thank you, Grace. It's about time. You can find me at GenevieveGorder.com. You can find our magazine there, or you can find us for free in the App Store. Um, and then you can find me on TV at HGTV. I'll be on November 11th with a new um, special called A Hero's Welcome Home. And you can catch my series, Genevieve's Renovation, all October. Oh, in the White House. I'll see you at Christmas. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> Jen, thanks so much for being here. It's always a pleasure to have you on. You're my favorite. Thanks, Grace. Appreciate thanks. it. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>